0: Introduction to the 20th century In this final part of the course, we will examine a few key texts of the early 20th century. This raises again the theme of periodicity, or literary periods, that we have discussed several times previously, and as I have said before, historical and literary periods are somewhat arbitrary. Traditionally, 19th century British literature has been divided into the Romantic and Victorian periods, about 1780 to 1830 for the Romantic, and about 1830 to about 1900 for the Victorian. We can define some general characteristics of various periods as we did when we first considered the Romantic period, but not all texts within those periods conform to all those attributes. Jane Austen is an excellent example of this problem. Chronologically, she falls right in the Romantic period, and yet her novels don't particularly demonstrate the literary traits we usually associate with Romanticism. In fact, her novels' themes and their emphasis on the manners and mores of society are more Victorian than Romantic. The one Austen novel that is most closely associated with a Romantic period theme is Northanger Abbey, which parodies the conventions of Gothic novels. Some scholars have proposed a different scheme that resolves such issues. Rather than quibble about Romantic versus Victorian, they have taken a longer view and suggested that these are both 19th century periods anyway, so they have come up with the designation Long 19th Century. Long refers to the fact that it would run from about the French Revolution through the First World War. At the very beginning of this course, I noted that the French Revolution beginning in 1789 created a sense of rupture or a break with the past, and one of the characteristics of the Victorian era was the consciousness that the period represented a time of transition, though Victorians generally didn't know to what they were transitioning. Many of the milestones in the 20th century reflect a shattering of old ideas and ideals, sometimes with traumatic effect. Some of these milestones are scientific or technological. Looking just at the first part of the 20th century, the Wright brothers achieved powered flight in 1903, and Einstein's special theory of relativity is published in 1905, with general relativity following in 1915, a theory that will have far-reaching consequences on how we view the universe. The 20th century, which begins with the death of Victoria, will also see the shedding of much of her empire, through the 1930s and 1940s, as first Iraq, then in turn Egypt, India, and Palestine become independent. At home, upheavals in Ireland will lead to the establishment of an Irish free state, with some Irish counties remaining under British rule, and of course, two great wars will redraw the maps of the world. It is the first of these, then known as the Great War, that represents the end of one era and the beginning of another, which is quite similar to what we said back in the beginning of this course when we looked at the French Revolution as marking an historical rupture. The war fundamentally affected many aspects of British culture. War casualties in the British Empire were about 900,000 killed, and over two million wounded. Not only was the scale of the war beyond what had been seen before, but so were its horrors. Trench warfare, machine guns, poison gas, and aerial combat were among the most notable characteristics of this war, and many of those who survived the war returned home shattered, in mind if not also in body, and disillusioned. Nor did those who had not personally fought in the war escape its brutal effects. Poets such as Wilfred Owen, who was himself killed in action just a week before the armistice, vividly expressed the horrors of war. One of Owen's poems, The Show, begins with these lines that depict war's landscape as if from a great height My soul looked down from a vague height with death as unremembering how I rose or why and saw a sad land, weak with sweats of dearth, gray, cratered like the moon with hollow woe and fitted with great pox and scabs of plagues. Across its beard, that horror of harsh wire, there moved thin caterpillars slowly uncoiled It seemed they pushed themselves to be as plugs of ditches where they writhed and shriveled, killed. And Owen's most famous poem, Dulce et Decorum est, or Dulce et Decorum est, if you prefer the church Latin pronunciation, uses the famous lines from one of the odes of the Roman poet Horace that translated means how sweet it is to die for your country you will see the irony in owen's treatment of that theme in the context of chlorine and mustard gas here is that poem in full bent double like old beggars under sacks knock-kneed coughing like hags we cursed through sludge till on the haunting flares we turned our backs and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep. Many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshod. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of tired, outstripped five nines that dropped behind. Gas! Gas! Gas, quick, boys, an ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, but someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime, dim through the misty panes and thick green light as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams, before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face, like a devil sick of sin. If you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues. My friend... You would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory the old lie, dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. The cataclysmic shock of the Great War may be one of the reasons that modernism begins to emerge in the arts during this post-war period. In an attempt to represent artistically this break with the past, whose forms and subjects seemed inadequate to represent a new reality, or even irrelevant. In literature, we begin to see experiments with form as poets such as T.S. Eliot and novelists such as James Joyce and Virginia Woolf decisively break with the formalistic conventions of the past in an attempt to depict the reality of life in the 20th century world, life that is often marked by alienation and disillusionment.